0: Binge Mode is brought to you by DirecTV Now. Livestream your favorite channels on virtually any device. Plus, you can subscribe to HBO and start watching Game of Thrones today.
1: Hey, Grandmaster Picel.. Yeah. Can you tell us the warning about Binge Mode's adult content?
0: Well, the think about, about Binge Mode is, uh, Binge Mode contains <laughs> adult situations and intense violence and sex.
1: <sighs> Never mind. Here's binge mode.
0: A man pays his debts. A man owes three. Three what? The Red God takes what is his, lovely girl. And only death may pay for life. You saved me and the two I was with. You stole three deaths from the Red God. We have to give them back.
1: Hello, and welcome to binge mode. Woo! I'm Mallory Rubin, deputy editor of theringer.com. Joining me today, now that he's finished the time consuming business of being repeatedly humiliated by Rob Stark, it's Ringer staff writer and your maester, Jason Concepcion. <laughs> the night is dark and full of terrors. Guys, we haven't gotten much sleep. <laughs> Just being honest with you, Jason.
0: Yes, that,
1: there are times when I look at you and I Tell me. still can't believe you're real. I'm here, but you are, and so are our podcasting ambitions. Right. We are rewatching all 60 episodes of Game of Thrones, deep wow. dive in one episode at a time. Spoiler warning for all of you: we're going to go deep on the show, That's right, and the books this season and beyond. Our crew would wait on dock for a year if we asked them to, but let's not. Let's not ask them to wait. Let's dive right in. Let's break down Season 2, Episode 5, The Ghost of Harrenhal. This is war, buddy. No Sorry. one's content. No one's content. Thank you, Tywin. But we swore a vow. So let's take a quick trip down our very own King's Road, offer up a brief refresher on the key happenings from this fifth installment.
0: In the Stormlands, Cat delivers Robb's terms to Renly. King Renly agrees to them with some important caveats, forging a powerful Baratheon Stark alliance. Except, is that Stanny Junior's music I hear? Vala
1: Magulis.
0: Peace out, Renly. Who gets Stanny Junior's smoky blade, Vala Kat-
1: DoHarris?
0: <laughs> Vala Doheris. Cat and a heartbroken Brienne, now the prime suspects in King Renly's assassination, are forced to flee camp. Eventually, Brienne swears her shield to Cat. Stannis, consolidating his power after Renly's assassination, prepares to move on King's Landing. Ser Davos gives him some advice and convinces him to leave Melisandre behind when the invasion occurs.
1: Over in King's Landing, the news of Renly's death has reached the capital. Cersei, because she's a fucking idiot, is jubilant. Woo! Tyrion, because he's smart, is very concerned. He knows this means that Stannis now has a bigger army and is a bigger threat than ever. Tyrion is trying to plan for this. He visits the Alchemist guild after his new spy, Lancel, informs him of Cersei's wildfire centric plans. And when he sees the amount of wildfire, the substance, at the guild's disposal, which is enough mm. to level the city and then some, he decides to take control.
0: On Pike, Theon attempts to take command of his ship, the aptly named Seabitch. I say attempt because his salty and experienced crew of Ironborn has absolutely no respect for its new captain and leaves him behind on shore. His first mate Dagmar convinces Theon that the low risk, low reward rate of the stony shore that his father ordered him to carry out is perhaps not as rich a prize as he deserves. Do Ironborn do what they're told or do they do what they want? Theon decides I could hit Torrent Square and then if I go a little bit east of Torrent Square, there's another castle.
1: Speaking of castles over in Harrenhal, Arya, now Lord Tywin's charming cupbearer, listens in as the Lannister War Council debates how to best deal with Rob. Arya and Tywin doing a little bonding. It's really something, really beautiful. Jockin, speaking of people Arya's bonding with, back in her life, this time dressed as a Lannister soldier, speaking in riddles. Offering to pay his debt to her, three lives for the three that she saved when she threw him an axe to get him out of the soon-to-be burning wagon. First up, the Tickler.
0: North of the wall, the watch marches to the Fist of the First Men. There they await a small group of elite rangers led by Night's Watch legend Corrin Halfhand. When Corrin arrives, he recommends a sneak attack into Mance's camp in order to assassinate him. John volunteers to go along.
1: Over in Carth, Danny's just you know hanging out, yeah, seeing the sights, and she meets Pri the warlock member of the Thirteen. He introduces himself, does some David Blaine shit with a little magic <laughs> trick, really making an impression. Meanwhile, speaking of people who make an impression at this little shindig, Quaithe, the mysterious Ooh. woman in the eyes wide shut slash Yeezy, yeezy. mask, makes an appearance, gives Jora a warning. Danny is going to need true protectors now more than ever. Yes. Dragons aren't just a gift, they are a burden. Zoro, true romantic, proposes marriage to Danny. She gives it some serious consideration, but Jora gives her wise counsel. Move carefully. Moving carefully is the hard way, but the right way. He promises to find her a ship. Sadly, no marriage required.
0: In Winterfell, Sir Roderick brings news that an unknown force, thought to be allied with the Lannisters, are laying siege to Torren Square. Bran orders Sir Roderick and 200 men to go and break the siege, leaving Winterfell dangerously vulnerable. Afterwards, Bran tells Osha about an ominous dream he had, the sea flooding the walls of Winterfell. What could it mean? What could it mean, Jason? What could it mean? All right.
1: You are... So clever with your schemes and your plots. And schemes and plots might be the same thing, but both of them get us to this episode's big idea. So let's cut right to the core of it. Let's stick it with the pointy end. The defining theme of this episode is preparation and planning. There is no shortage of action on Game of Thrones, but every now and then we get one of these reset episodes, an hour where... The pieces are moving around the board. The cal- characters are really recalibrating their expectations, resetting their intentions. And in The Ghost of Hall, nearly everyone is regrouping or repositioning in some way, taking stock, forming a plan, or more perilously, in some of their cases, failing to form one. And we get our first bit of planning and preparation-centric advice from a very surprising source, Kat, not someone we usually associate with wisdom. She says to Brienne, you can't avenge him, him being Renly, if you're dead. This is an idea that we will hear repeated a couple times in this episode by more than one character. It is akin to saying, don't be hasty. Pause, think, plan, prepare. Kat actually herself echoes this idea later to Brienne when they're on the road. She says, he's gone, Brienne. You serve nothing and no one by following him into the earth. Renly's enemies are Rob's enemies as well. This is part of her appeal. Not only her pitch to say, please exercise caution, but hey, while you're exercising that caution, come join my side. Self-serving. Exactly. Very savvy. She's turning a pitch into a plan, right? Come over to our side, let your hate bubble, bide yes. your time, yes. and then get what you seek.
0: Littlefinger and Marjorie essentially preach the same thing to Loris that Kat preached to Brienne. If you want justice, you gotta be smart about it. You know, as they're standing over Renly's body, Marjorie says you can't avenge him from the grave. Good advice, Loras. Littlefinger can see in Marge a thing that he really respects, which is a fellow planner mm-hmm. and a, and a un- certain unshakable uh, personality. When she says calling yourself king doesn't make you one, and if Renly wasn't king, I wasn't a queen, he responds by asking, do you want to be a queen? And she says, iconic right here. Iconic! No, I want to be the queen. Game recognized game.
1: Love it. It's great stuff. Stannis doesn't really have any game, but thankfully for him, Davos (laughs) at least has some. Davos is really aggressively planting the Blackwater seeds here, imploring Stannis to leave Melisandre behind. He says, across the course of this conversation, I've never known you to hide from the truth. Nothing is worth what this will cost you. This meaning using blood magic to win, not even the Iron Throne. If you take her with you to King's Landing, the victory will be hers. She's a foreigner preaching her foreign religion. Some believe she whispers orders in your ear and you obey. You won those bannermen from Renly, don't lose them to her. It's a very effective lecture because Stannis, he succumbs ultimately. He, despite Melisandre just being responsible for taking Renly out, Stannis agrees to these terms and he vows to set sail for King's Landing without her. And then goes so far as to say, and you, basically, you're my new number number two here. You, Davos, will captain my fleet. Davos prevailed here by imploring Stannis to think ahead, to anticipate not just what his own actions will be, but what the repercussions of those actions will be. You know, plan to win and then plan to keep your Bannerman loyal to you because he just went through firsthand seeing how impossible mean, this is if you don't have those people aligned with your cause, right? And this is also a particularly potent sales pitch, given how severely that loyalty had been lacking, because most of those men had sided with Renly. And so when Stannis says most of these lords should consider themselves lucky, I don't hang them for treason, hard truth cut both ways, he's actually showing that he is thinking ahead in the same way that Davos is to some extent, because he's willing to basically make a compromise in the short term to get these guys on his side even though that that directly contradicts what he considers to be
0: proper. It's an interesting bit of self-awareness from Stannis and it is a, a, an interesting contradiction as well because he's an unyielding, stern figure. He's got his own code and he lives by it but at the same time, the reason he keeps Davos around is because Davos is the guy who will tell it to him like it is, right. who will contradict him, who will object to things Hard that, he doesn't, that he doesn't agree with. Um, so that's a very interesting thing about Stannis. Tyrion and Cersei. Mm. One of the many ways in which these two differ is uh, Cersei. They're both very much like their, their father, Tywin, but they get different things from him. Cersei is just as ruthless, but she's rash. Uh, she moves from emotion. Tyrion is deliberate in a way that Cersei is not. So when she's bouncing off the wall celebrating Renly's death, sipping down that Arbor Red, mm. toasting mm. his death, he counsels caution. This means Stannis can focus on them now. And Stannis is most dangerous with a sword on, in his hand. Let's face it. This is not the guy that that you care about when it, it's about coalition building and politics. But when he's at the head of an army, now he's dangerous. So, and how differently do they approach deliberation? One, well, you know, one of them... Doesn't know which planning-related words are synonymous. Cersei, so clever with your schemes and plots. Tyrion, (laughs) schemes and plots are the same thing. Thanks to the editors here. Uh, (laughs) She'd rather get in a barb than really uh, adequately brace to meet the foe. Tyrion says they need to get ready. Cersei says not to worry. This is, I love this uh, part, by the way. Cersei not only says don't worry, Joffrey has a plan she kind of she really takes a delight in not letting tyrion know what right. the plan is it's not just that joffrey has a plan it's that oh you know oh don't don't worry about it <laughs> uh, his joffrey's plan is is quite adequate you know she's more focused on lording her position Uh, of her ability to know what this intelligence is and her ability to, like, exclude Tyrion from it.
1: It's the king's royal prerogative (laughs) to withhold (laughs) sensitive information from his counselors.
0: Uh, Tyrion, meanwhile, is focused on the numbers game. He understands Stannis has a large force, 100,000 men, and he understands also that the Lannisters are in a very precarious and vulnerable position. They're fighting a war on two fronts. In the west, there's Robb Stark and the Westermen. To the south and to the east, there's the combined uh, Baratheon force. So, hey, not a great situation. We shouldn't be celebrating right now. So his game plan, once he finds out about the wildfire, is, uh, I don't know, maybe don't let this teenage maniac king control (laughs) what happens with it. Cersei, meanwhile, is so bad at planning that she tells Lancel. Never tell Lancel, Why are you telling Lancel? I can't believe what it (laughs) was. The substance is fire-given form, and we have been protecting it since the days of Megaw. I've been waiting for your pyromancer <laughs> with Bated breath, i very excited. Bronn uh, urging cautiousness. Men win wars, not magic tricks, but Tyrion is cautious by nature. He knows that you can't just th- run around with a bunch of wildfire and then, you know, hope that somebody gets it right. You can destroy the entire city with this stuff. So Tyrion is so good at planning, he builds in safeguards and he goes and makes those safeguards immensely entertaining for us to witness. He he makes Lancel <laughs> prove his trustworthiness by swearing on something. What? My life, but I don't care about your life. <laughs> <laughs> All right enough, even torturing you is boring. Tyrion has made Lancel his plaything where he makes, you know, he makes him swear, essentially, <laughs> to, ask <laughs> to ask Bronn to so kill good. him if anything should happen to him. Please kill me if anything should happen to Lord Tyrion Bronn. It would be my pleasure.
1: So good. I love that scene. It's great, and it's just the added the amazingness of Lancel having to really like bend down because right. Tyrion's just chilling in his litter, and also Tyrion great kicking
0: stuff. kicking him in the buttocks as he leaves <laughs> the litter is just this. He just loves torturing Lancel.
1: We've seen that buttocks too. Not a lot of yes. not a lot of padding. No, there. it's very got to be gentle.
0: There's not a lot there.
1: Tyrion's pops Tywin. He. Recognizes the need for more thorough planning. He's having a bit of it, he's not like out there. He's just hanging out at a table talking in this episode, but he still is having a bit of an awakening and a bit of a breakthrough. You know, he knows at this moment, finally, after suffering yet another defeat, he can't keep waiting for Rob. to fuck up. He has to make him fuck up, right? He says to his assembled, we've underestimated the Stark boy for too long. He has a good mind for warfare, and his men worship him. As long as he keeps winning battles, they'll keep believing he's king in the north. You've been waiting for him to fail. He's not going to fail, not without our help. Notable, still calls him a boy. Finally praising him, finally giving him (laughs) a little more respect, still calls him a boy.
0: Um, Arya sees Jockin. And lectures him about uh, playing Lannister soldier. She's a bit, she feels a bit betrayed by this mm-hmm. when she sees him show up in the, in the Lannister soldier outfit. You're one of them now. I should have let you burn. And you fetch water for them now. Why is this right for you and wrong for me? I didn't have a choice. I did. You did. And here we are. Jocken, I love that. <laughs> an unflappable guy. You know? Uh, He's right. He is right. He is right. He's always right. And then the genie Jockin. You know, three wishes, uh, uncoils a limp. A man pays his debts. You saved me and the two I was with. You stole three deaths from the Red God. We have to give them back. Speak three names, and a man will do the rest. Here, you know. Listen, we'll get into this maybe a little More. bit later. Yeah. You got to start with the big names. Why oh, are yeah. you? Why are you? Why are you ordering these little like low-level Lannister uh, torturers to death? This is bad. Yeah, come this on. Is bad. You got to start. Watch let's, some game tape. Let's start big. Let's you know what you're doing. Let's start big.
1: Danny is starting to plan for a fight because things are not really not a going lot of options her way. She's not a worried, lot of options for her. right. Yeah. Worried that she doesn't know really who these men are. She doesn't know what Zorro is up to. She's talking to Dorea. Men like to talk about other men when they're happy. Ooh. Here's the thing. I like Danny. I well, want well, what's what's best for Danny. Sometimes Danny's an idiot. She is sending Drea off to be a whore, which is just low key, like super Maraxy. fucked up. So go go whore yourself out so I can right. get some intel. And she's also inadvertently driving Drea into the hands oh. of the enemy. This is a doltish move, as we will come to see. Zaro, he's actually. Actively throwing a plan Danny's way, right? He's saying, <laughs> He's Let's get hit. Pushing <laughs> it pretty hard. You got the dragons. Hey. I got the vault. And he actually delivers a crucial bit of intel that she, to this point, does not have. He's the one who tells her that Robert is yeah. dead. When Danny takes this to Jora, naturally, he freaks out. Like, right. this is in part because he is in love with her. As Zaro pointed out, great, some great great, as you know, a Majora lover, a Majora enthusiast, yes, some really great Danny Jora stuff in this episode, when Zara says, how long has your manservant oh. been in love with you? It's, she acts so, oh. like,
0: shocked at this news. Manservant
1: is My a manservant. tough one. That's a really tough label, but of course, she's going to come in the course of this conversation right. with Jora to learn how true that assessment yes. really is. He doesn't want her to marry another man, but he can't outwardly position his objection that he's way got, he has to say some fair arguments yeah though, he be... exactly he has that working in his favor he's got to preach caution right. and preach patience he's basically saying take the time to plan she's she wants to go now right she's right. saying literally the time to move is now
0: we've got 15 dothraki and no ships let's go <laughs> let's do this let's do this thing Drogon three baby how dragons how cook like, a you know, meat cube yeah well, we got this we can make
1: kebabs we're set we're set, <laughs> we're set. And she says, you know, the usurper's dad, the Starks fight the Lannisters, the Baratheons fight each other. That's another trailer line yep. that I can still hear in my head, yep. like we were talking about the the other episode. Jorah's begging caution, begging patience. He says, rich men do not become rich men by giving more than they get. Moving carefully is the hard way, but it's the right way. He also has another key line. He this says, is a line
0: I tell people who ask me for advice on Twitter, by the way. <sighs> this exact line. <laughs>
1: It's good advice. I know the opportunity before you seems like the last one you'll ever have. But it isn't, right? right? It isn't. so this is actually a problem for, this is sort of a universal problem, not only on the show, but apparently on the Twitterverse. These characters don't just blindly jump when they see an opening. They blindly jump because they (laughs) see an opening and they think it's the last opening that they're ever going to get, right? And then, of course, I would be derelict in my (laughs) duty if I didn't say that jura then goes on to to say to danny you have a good claim a title a birthright but you have something more than that you may cover it up and deny it but you have a gentle heart you would not only be respected and feared you would be loved someone who can rule and should rule centuries come and go without a person like that coming into wow. the world There are times when I look at you and I still can't believe you're real. This is not a plan. This is not a plan, maybe other than a plan to get in her pants, but it's great. And we had to talk about it. Their mutual embarrassment after this for professation of love does actually lead to a plan, though, because he says, make your own way. You only need one ship. Your allies, the allies we need are in Westeros, not Karth. And she gives him leave to go find
0: that ship. It's not a terrible—I mean, if you get one ship, you go to Dorne, hang out until the, the dragons are born. It's not a terrible little plan. All right, John and the half-hand. John, the green recruit, the half-hand, the grizzled veteran. Half-hand tells him, "Mounts was one of us once. Now he's one of them. He'll teach them our way of doing things. What he's saying is, you know, the wildlings are—they're an irregular force— Hit and run attacks, they don't know how to fight in, in large groups. And it used to be that the, the Night's Watch, because they were more they were more regimented, they could go in and they could take on large numbers of wildlings because they just melt away. That's not gonna be the case anymore. Mance has a hundred thousand wildlings. They've we've never seen the Night's Watch has never seen numbers like this. And this time when they hit, they're not gonna run away. Right. They're not they're not gonna melt away when they take a couple of deaths. And so doing To to attack this force, you require, we've got a plan. We can't do the things that we've been doing. We have to go in quick and quiet, try and get into his camp, and kill the leader. If you can do that, if you can take out the center, maybe they melt away. You know what I love to do? I love to blast Siguros on my Sonos because I don't understand what they're saying, and the music sounds like the vacant landscape of my soul. Movies, sports, TV shows, gaming, Playbase adds dynamic pulse-pounding sound to whatever's playing on your TV, and streams your favorite music when it's off. Yet, its low-profile design practically disappears. Where'd it go? Beneath your TV. And now, for the first time ever, Sonos is offering listeners of Binge Mode this podcast that is the best 10% off one order of $2,500 or less. That's a lot of cash, but 10% off for any product on Sonos.com. This offer is available for limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. Just use the promo code binch 10 capital B I N G E 10 at Sonos.com to receive this exclusive offer.
1: Finally, Theon, that beautiful idiot. As usual, <laughs> he has no plan at all. See, bitch. He has no plan because he has no sense of his of himself. He has Story no said. sense of the people around him. He has managed to alienate his crew faster than you can say C bitch." Right? right? He's talking to, to to Lauren, and he says. Stop! Your captain this commands you to stop, and then he goes on sales pitches that there will be spoils and women if they do their jobs well. And right. Lauren, this guy's like he's a—he's
0: yeah, he's like he's I've killed—I've killed, killed five hundred people,
1: right. <laughs> right? He literally says, "Who decides if we do our jobs well? I've been reaving and raping since you left Balon's balls. <laughs> <laughs> Don't reckon I've got much use for a captain at all. This is incredible. All of." The advice that Theon's gotten so far has really hinged on him picking aside, remembering his roots. But when he's talking to Dagmar, he gets a different sort of advice, which is basically figure out your plan and then earn their allegiance. Like they're not, he says, they're not going to respect you until you prove yourself. And so the plan hatches, right? Don't just settle for the Stony Shore, take Torrance Square. And if the Starks send troops to defend it, which they will, then right. there's an opening at Winterfell. So this is fascinating because Theon's betrayal is sparked by the same thing that led him home to help Rob in the first place, a desire to act, to be loved, to, to win approval. But he can't come by those things naturally. He has to connive his way into them. He has to force them. And then on the flip side, his actions... Force the Starks to act without taking the time to plan. You know, when Roger comes in and shares the news of the attack on Torner Square, Bran says, and he's right when he says this: If we can't protect our bannermen, why should they protect us? That's a
0: he is ten. Just to to be (laughs) fair,
1: it's it's a sweet and kind of right idea, but they're not taking a moment there to breathe and pause and say what what might the larger. Right. ramifications here B. Who could be there? Why? What position will we be in if right. an enemy force is that close to us? There's not the time to plan. There's not the time to prep and that obviously proves to be very costly. Now, what's interesting about this, of course, is that Brand's inner 3 Raven is actually trying right. to get him to plan. Right. He has the dream. I dreamt that the sea came to Winterfell. I saw waves crash against the gates and the water came flowing over the walls, flooded the castle. Drowned men were floating here in the yard. Sir Roderick was one of them. The sea is Theon, but it's too late. He missed the window to plan, and
0: that's it. <laughs> that's it. At least send some scouts into the woods and look if there's any Ironborn hanging out. Come on, come on, Bran. Come on, Bran. I know Bran you're ten. It's, I, You know, in this case, I honestly, I blame Sir Roderick. And Lewin. Well, Lewin doing? tried to say so many.
1: It's true. You but know, like having a few other people around is going to help.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can't leave the castle with like so that fifty Ironborn can take it. It's Winterfell, guys. What are you doing? (laughs) Send a couple of scouts. Have them look at Torrent Square and then decide what you got to do. But you don't just send all your guys. Come on. All right, Jason.
1: Yes. This episode, Arya taught us and Tywin a valuable lesson. Anyone can be killed. Unfortunately, one character learned that much too late. R.I.P. Renly. You died just as soon as the show made you as handsome as you were always supposed to be in the books. But before we put Renly into the TV graveyard, we really need to remind ourselves that while calling yourself a king doesn't make you one, circumstances actually could have. Renly could have prevailed here if things had gone Very a easily. differently. So, Maester, you've never known us to need to hear a thing twice. We've never known you to hide from the truth. Ooh. Let's assemble the conclave, head to the citadel, teach us everything we need to know about the battles and events that led up to Renly's assassination.
0: So Renly's assassination by Stanny Jr. Stanley. was a landmark event in the War of the Five Kings. Its far-reaching effects are best understood by surveying the state of war at the time of the murder. At that particular time, when the Lannisters, after a series of gaffes, including Joff's war-starting decision to execute Ned Stark, they faced a very serious and frightening prospect of complete and total defeat. After Rob's shock victory at Whispering Wood, where he defeated and captured Jamie Lannister, uh, he just really kept rolling. He built on the, the momentum. He broke the Siege of Riverrun, putting on a master class of positioning and timing by overrunning two Lannister positions, separated by the Tumblestone River in a daring night attack that came to be known as the Battle of the Camps. That battle freed up the Riverlords, allowing them to uh, augment his own forces, sell swords in the service of the retreating Lannisters. Switch sides, and they came over to his to to the Starks. So it, this was a massive, massive victory, and one certainly that, following up on his defeat of Tywin, which wasn't so much a defeat but a but a fooling of Tywin, would have really shocked the entire continent. Renly Baratheon, after being proclaimed king, gathered a force of a hundred thousand men. This is the combined strength of the Stormlands and the Reach. The Reach was Westeros's breadbasket, and this cut off. King's Landing's food supply. The capital runs the risk of an internal revolt because of the starving population. We see we will see this anger boil over in the next episode when the King's Landing citizens riot, nearly killing Cersei, Joffrey, Sansa and Tyrion. Tywin faced with the prospect of being caught between Robb in the West, who's raiding in the Westerlands, and Renly, who's gathering his forces in the in the south and eastern part, retires to Harrenhal to consolidate his, his forces. This frees up Rob to really just do whatever the hell he wants. He strikes the Westerlands all over the place. This is the Lannister homeland, and this would have been absolutely alarming. Should have been alarming. Cersei should be like, wait, hold on. They, right. they burned what? <laughs> um, he crosses the mountains, separating the Westerlands from the Riverlands by a previously unknown route using Grey Wind. He senses the route. Shouts to Greywind. Love Greywind. At Oxcross, just a few days' march from from Lannisport, he falls on an army of of Lannister recruits. This is the battle that we see at the beginning of episode four, Garden of Bones. Rob sets Greywind loose among the Lannister troops. They're absolutely terrified by this. The the horses panic, and they just absolutely mop up. The remaining Lannister forces retreat to Lannisport, and effectively uh, Lannister control of the Westerlands absolutely evaporates. Rob raids all over the place. He sacks Ashmark. He sends raiding parties up and down the coast. Think about this. Once Theon returns with the Ironborn fleet, if Theon would have returned with the Ironborn fleet, Lannisport and even Casterly Rock may have fallen to the Starks. Things get slightly better for the Lannisters when Stannis's fleet, mostly made up of mercenaries, arrives outside of Storm's End. Renly, probably unwisely, breaks off from the main force that he has blockading King's Landing. marches east with his Stormlanders to break the Siege of Storm's End. This leads to the scene where Renly and Cat Stark and Stannis are negotiating terms. Uh, Renly rightly refuses uh, to acknowledge Stannis' claim. He greatly outnumbers him. There's no reason to do so. If Renly had survived that night, in the morning, he would have absolutely wipe the board with Stannis. We saw the scene where Cat where, uh, got Renly to agree to Rob's terms, except for the fact that Rob would still have to pay him homage as the overall king. Now, with the combined force of Starks, Baratheons, and the Reach, the Lannisters would have, I'm not sure what they would have done. Like, you know, Tywin is sitting in Harrenhal just waiting. He can't come to King's Landing's defense. They would have faced the very, very real prospect of maybe suing for peace. You know, saying, hey, let us live, and uh, I guess you can have the throne, and we'll retire to, to Castry Rock, and please don't sack the whole place. Everything hung on a thread right there, and King Renly's assassination gave them an opening, gave them a little bit of hope. Stannis, meanwhile, still has uh, the bulk of, of Renly's old army, so it, it's still very precarious for the Lannisters, but this gave them an opportunity to, to live another day. But it's like just imagine like if Renly doesn't die there. The things that that possibly could have happened. Jamie Lannister goes back to Winterfell. He he stays there until they either trade him or don't. Likely ends up rotting underneath the, in the dungeons for the rest of his life. Roose and Ramsay never rise to prominence. Never, never uh, become the wardens of the North. Sansa, assuming she survived, would be- get traded at some point. Arya pro- could walk home at some point. Tyrion would never go east to d- to advise Danny. Littlefinger would have to go back to the drawing board and figure some other stuff out. John never gets crowned king of the North. It would really change everything, but it didn't happen. Larger because Renly Baratheon got killed by Stanny Junior. Our producer,
1: Zach, who is deeply in love with Rob, would have been so happy had that alternate history played out. But alas, those curls were too beautiful for this world. Yep. All right, Jason, it is the podcaster's royal prerogative to withhold sensitive information from their counselors, but that's not our jam, man. We want to share. Let's head to the Sept, bathe in the light of the Seven, share seven of our favorite insights and observations and hindsight nuggets from this episode. Lightning Round style. You go first. Number one.
0: Bronn and Tyrion. Bronn asks, what about your father? Tyrion, he hasn't sent a raven in weeks. He's very busy. Being repeatedly humiliated by Robb Stark is very time consuming.
1: Number two. When Renly and Kat are talking and Mm -hmm. Renly brings up Robert and Ned, their friendship Uh. held the kingdoms together, right? He says after Rob agrees and Renly destroys Stannis, what next? When that's done, Baratheon and Stark will fight their common enemy together as they have done many times before. So close. And then he says, please bring my terms to your son. I believe we are natural allies. Are. I hope he feels the same. Together we can end this war in a fortnight. Two things here. One, beautiful picture of what could have been here. Yeah, This would have been nice. And two, yeah. the idea of natural allies yeah. is just really fascinating in a-, a universe where everyone is kind of your own enemy at all times. Well,
0: it's largely it largely uh, comes down to we want to kill the same people. Right.
1: So you're my natural ally <laughs> right. in this moment, and then later you will be my natural enemy.
0: Uh, number the, three. The Alchemist Guild, they create a substance called wildfire that is extremely flammable and explosive. Why is Bronn holding a lantern, walking around <laughs> in there, and looking at the stuff? This Great should question. not be allowed.
1: All right, number four. Beautiful moment in this episode. Oh, man. More beautiful in hindsight. At the time, it's kind of like, all right, let's yeah. let's let's fast forward and get back to characters we care about more. But when Brienne and Kat are swearing oaths to each other, Brienne says, right. I will give my life if it comes to that. I swear it by the old gods and the new. And Kat says, I vow that you will always have a place at my home and my table and that I will ask no service of you that would bring you dishonor. I swear it. Rewatching this now after we've seen all six season, really powerful. Yeah. The echoes of a of a scene that we will see much later on between Brienne and Sansa kind of gave me the feelings, guys. Kind of gave me the feelings.
0: All this talk of fisting in the fist of the first <laughs> men, the ancient ring fort of the first men. Sam says the fist of the first men. Think of how old this place is. He flaps his little arms against his large thighs before the Targaryens defeated the Andals, before the Andals sequesteros from the first men. Thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, the first men stood here. What do you think they were like? Ed, stupid. Smart men don't find themselves at places like this. And then John, ever the emo dude. I think they were afraid. I think
1: they came here to get away from something. I don't think it worked.
0: No accident Sam closely follows with a lesson on horn blowing. Three for the White Walkers. It's been thousands of years, but the only time you blow the horn three times is for the White Walkers, which we didn't know. Good exposition, guys. Great
1: stuff. Very effective. Ed, number six here. Another great line from Ed. Maybe not as crucial in terms of our understanding of the White Walkers and their relevance to the plot, but dare I say more crucial in terms of just understanding life and people. There's nothing more sickening than a man
0: in love. What about grayscale, buddy? <laughs> Number seven. At uh, Zaro's party, Danny sees two of her uh, Dothraki bickering over a statue, and it's a fantastic moment. Danny <laughs> Danny says to Cavaro, well, she walks up and Cavaro is saying, well, melt it. You know, very simple. If we want to steal this mm-hmm. thing, you know, just cut it up. We don't cut it up, we we you know, melt it. And then Danny says, this is all in Dothraki. We are his guests. We can't pry it or chop it or melt it. Of course, Khaleesi, we wait until we leave.
1: All right. Fools love a fool. And as our episode five champion is the one who spouted that certitude, he is a bit of a fool himself. At the moment, though, he's a fool on top. He is winning the Game (laughs) of Thrones right now, right? Each episode, we are going to honor the person who played the game, advanced his or her cause in some tangible way. And this week... It can't give it to anybody else. The winner Big of Daddy our Stanny. champions purse is Papa Stanny. Papa Stanny, <laughs> what a
0: proud day! Finally, the, a son. Pop that cigar in your mouth, buddy. Congratulations! Skipping the diapers, going straight. It's for a son.
1: It's a smoke, baby. Now. Is it Melisandre's victory? Is it Rhaelor's victory? That's what Davos would say. That's what he is cautioning Stannis that the men will say that's correct. certainly and that's wise counsel. But here's the thing like right now it doesn't matter. That's a long game question. Right, right now yes. in this first. moment, episode 5, Stannis eliminated his chief opponent, the one who was not only fighting him but who was actually stealing his men. He took Renly off the board. That is huge.
0: You know, the Stormlords of the Stormlands, they're going to follow a Baratheon. They're not going to follow, you know, they're not going to go to the Reach and hang out with Loras and see what they're going to do. Their natural alliance, allegiance, is owed to Stannis. So, the, uh, of course, they flock to his side. Now, he's got an army. He's got his fleet. Path to King's Landing is open. He also is ultimately willing to hear Davos's counsel, which is kind of the one of the interesting things about Stannis. He listens more than a man with his reputation for full rigidity seemingly would. This is like, there, there are many contradictions to Stannis and this is one of them. Nothing is worth what this will cost you. Not even the Iron Throne Davos tells him. Uh, I think Stannis would probably disagree with that. Yeah. It's his. By right. <laughs> Haven't you heard? All men who oppose me are my foes.
1: Stannis isn't really the most quotable character. He basically no. just repeats the same three lines over and over again, but he does have a good one here when he's talking to Davos about Renly because Davos comes up like a fool and is like, sorry, man, your your brother's dead. That man. must suck. <laughs> Where can I send the, the deli platter? Are you having right. three days shiva or seven? And Stannis is like... Fool's love a fool. I grieve for him as well. But for the boy, he was not the man he grew to be. He's either he either actually isn't sad about this and doesn't care or he's not allowing himself to be sad about this and care in this moment because he's so focused on his agenda. He is not ruled by his emotions. He is ruled. He doesn't even have emotions. He right. is ruled by the mission. And so that is why, ultimately, he's the champion this week, because he doesn't know that up in King's Landing, Tyrion is plotting his fiery downfall, or that Bran is out there swearing an oath to cut him down, or that he will be, you know, forever doomed for using filthy blood magic to kill his own brother. That's for another time, yes. man. Right now, he's ahead. He killed Renly. He got an army. He has his ships. He can move on. He can advance. When everyone else is sitting still figuring out what to do, that puts him ahead.
0: RIP Knights of Summer. Knights of Summer. Knights of
1: Summer. Knights of Summer. All right, friends. You can't avenge this podcast if you're not binging. We hope that you had as much fun as we did today and that you'll join us next time when we will be discussing Season 2, Episode (laughs) 6, The Old Gods and the New. Until then, beware. Piss on wildfire, and your cock burns off.
0: The Twisted Demon Monkey! He's talking about you. What? Would Tyrion really not know that they were talking about him?
1: That's a great point.